We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we talked, and, and uh, last week preached about do yourself no harm. Uh, the week before, we're all gathered together from phrases from each uh, set of scriptures we're looking at in the book of Acts that tells us how these uh, great conversions and how so many people gave their lives to the Lord. And uh, so today, we're going to see the statement in there that's called, we are all witnesses. And it's interesting that when we, uh, especially as spirit-filled believers, sometimes we look at the things that happened in the book of Acts and think, man, we're just waiting for God to sprinkle dust or something magical, and then it's going to be like that. And there may be aspects where God does move, you know, totally separate from man. But as we've looked, we've noticed uh, that God, even last week, how, or two weeks ago, they were all gathered together. And the reason they were gathered together was not because God, but because one man gathered his friends, his close friends, and his family and got them there, and then God moved supernaturally in a profound way once they were all gathered together and the guys started preaching. And even though often we focus on the manifestation, the power of God, there's a human element involved too. Are you with me? That is how it is in this earth. God works with men. He doesn't just work apart from humanity. And you can see that throughout the Bible. And, and it's a huge thing. Because when he works with men, then men can point people to the living God. Are you with me? So if you will, open up your Bibles to Acts, the second chapter. And we're going to look at what you know, we call the day of Pentecost. The, really, the start of the church. The church did not exist... Uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, nobody was saved when Jesus walked on the earth. Nobody could be saved. Though people think, you know, many times that, you know, John or Peter, when they, when they were traveling with Jesus, they were saved. They were not. They were not saved. And I know if we are not people who look in the Bible... Uh, we would think, oh no, they were saved because they were walking with Jesus. No, because in order to get saved, you have to believe Jesus died and rose again. He hadn't done that yet. And then you call on the name of the Lord and you receive him. Then you are saved. So nobody who traveled with Jesus was saved until after. Are you with me? Because even in the Old Testament, there were prophecies about Christ suffering, Christ dying as a sacrifice. Well, he hadn't uh, died and been the sacrifice for man so that people could receive new life. So they were waiting for the promise. And so we see here the beginning of the church, and we see once these people are saved and filled, uh, how they start reaching people. But God helped them kick it off, and God helps us in all of our endeavors. So we're going to look here in Acts 2, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 4. Now, I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but we're going to skip through it. But uh, we'll hit some highlights in here. And so it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all 
with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Now, let me make a statement. If you go back into the 32nd, 33rd, 34th verse, you'll see that this that happened was not because they prayed a lot, not because they fasted. It actually was the promise of the pouring out of the Spirit so people could be recreated and people could be filled. Are you with me? That's important because sometimes people are praying, pour out your Spirit. He's here. We need to learn to cooperate. We need to learn to walk with Him. We need to do things and expect Him to move. Are you with me? And, and He is here in power, and He is here, but it's kind of like you can have power in the earth and it be unharnessed. Are you with me? There is power in the earth. There's power inherent in rivers. We just learned how to put turbines on that water, you know, and harness that and, and direct that power. Obviously, it's translated from water power to electrical power, but we've learned how to harness it. And if we would become students of God and following God, we could learn how to be a channel for God. Are you with me? That's important because otherwise our expectation becomes wrong and we're constantly waiting for God to do something when he said, I've already poured out my spirit. Now notice this. And he said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So this sound filled the house. But as we read on, we realize this sound that was so massive was heard all over the city. And it was real. And, and it was like a hurricane or a tornado. I mean, it was so loud. And it said, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Any Bible student would recognize fire appeared multiple times in the Bible before this. Every time it was God or God by His Spirit manifesting, whether it was over the temple, on a mountain, on, you know, in a bush uh, that burned and God would speak out of it, or, you know, different times we see this. Well, they're familiar with the Scripture. And here they are, and they're in this room, and there is like the sound of a tornado. So it was probably deafening. And then they're standing there, and you picture this like we're in this room, and all of a sudden they start seeing fire appearing and settling on every person. Are you with me? And there appeared to them divided tongues, or these small things, of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice, this was not a natural speaking. This was a speaking that was governed by the influence of the Spirit of God. It was a real event that really happened. And I will say this, there has been tons of confusion over this. But you know what? We shouldn't be shocked. 
Because there was confusion that day too. Even the religious people were confused. Day one. Now we're wanting everybody to be straightened out on this subject. Well, I will say this. If they were confused, you're going to run into people who are going to be confused with this. Does it mean everybody has to be? No. Are you okay? So uh, they're gathered. These people come from all over the city. And they're all discussing what's going on because they're hearing people in their own language. And they're recognizing these guys are all from the region of Galilee. And they're hearing them in their own dialects. And they're thinking, what is going on? And they're coming to all kinds of weird conclusions. Verse 13. I'm just kind of cutting right in. There's this crowd. And this event has happened. A multitude has come. Thousands of them. We don't know exactly how many. We do know how many responded and gave their life to the Lord. But we don't know if there were 4,000 there, 5,000. But 3,000 of them committed to the Lord that day. Besides the people that were in the upper room who were filled. And there was about 120. It said, verse 13, Others were mocking and said, These people are full of new wine. Well, what does that mean? We don't say that today. Oh, they're full of new wine. Well, basically what he's saying is, these guys are loaded. They're wasted. They're drunk. What kind of pills have they taken? That's how it would be today. Oh, that guy, he's a crackhead. Are you with me? This is what they're thinking. What in the world is this guy, what are these guys on? But Peter, uh, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them. So think about it. They were confused. They were confused about what was going on. But here, here's a thought. Could people be confused today about what's going on when the things of God happen? Because there's no doubt this was God. This was all God. And people were mocking it says, others were mocking, different people were saying thing, things, and some were saying they're drunk. Think about it. You go to a church, you have an experience with God, and people are all just going to accept it and go, wow, yes, yes, I need Jesus. No. If you read the Bible and you're honest and you go read, I mean, there were people, I think about this. The people who crucified Jesus one time went into a temple on the Sabbath day, which is a day you're not supposed to work. They went there to see if he would heal, not so they could glorify God and go, yes. And so there's a guy there with a the withered hand. He gets healed, and the people didn't say, wow, that's so awesome. We need to serve Jesus. This guy has got something we haven't seen. No, they literally started accusing him because he was working on the Sabbath. And Jesus was ticked. Because, you know, Jesus never got mad. No, it said he looked at him with indignation. He was angry. Because he said, you guys will loose your, your ox or your ass 
and, you know, set them out to do something in the field and to eat. But here I'm loosing this person from an infirmity and you're wanting to kill me. And you're not for this. So realize this, not everybody is for the truth or true supernatural things. Think about it. I mean, if you saw somebody who had a crippled hand, was totally straightened out, wouldn't you go, I'll follow that. I'm going to investigate at least. They didn't do that. They said, what do you think you're doing, doing this on the Sabbath? They didn't care about the man's well-being. I knew you'd say amen right then. Sometimes you'd have to turn the volume up. But uh, amen. And there's a truth. Not everybody is going to like the supernatural. And here's the thing. You know who didn't like it here? It was the real religious people. It was the real religious people who bristled at what was happening. So Peter standing up with the eleven raised up his voice in verse 13. And he said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Listen to what I've got to say. I don't have to listen to you. Who do you think you are? Well, you're wise to listen. He said, listen to my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, which is 9 a.m. He said, they're not drunk like you think. He said, but this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. And then what is it that was spoken of of the prophet Joel? Back hundreds and hundreds of years before God gave a promise. And he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh and it will drive people to speak forth by my spirit to see visions and on and on the list goes. And he said this hundreds and hundreds of years before. You know, I know it reads, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Somebody, you know, talk about the suddenlies of the Bible, but really this suddenly was talked about hundreds and hundreds of years before. As a matter of fact, uh, John, three something years before this, spoke about it happening, and it still didn't happen. He said, there's going to be one who's going to come after me. He's going to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. This was that time. So even though it happened suddenly, it was promised years before. And if you have promises, you need to hold on to them. Even though you may want to see it suddenly, suddenly you will at some point. But anyway, we see here that it came to pass and he talked about the Spirit of God being upon the people. Here is something that happened when they reached these people. The Spirit of God was on them and it promoted them to do something and to speak. Verse 21, in the middle of his message, he said, And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter is filled with the Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit, directed him and directed him to speak. Peter had a personal experience. All these people that were with Peter had a personal experience. They were moved on by the Spirit of God, and he spoke by compulsion of the Spirit. So there was divine life and ability and conviction. Everything was happening while he's preaching. Are you with me? 
because it's through the foolishness of preaching people get saved. There's power inherent in the gospel, but technically there's power in the believer who gets saved and filled. And we need to recognize this, that his life changed and through it he became a witness. And he said that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, he keeps preaching here. And in verse 32, it said, And this Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Anybody who's saved is a witness. Are you with me? Now, I understand there are differences when... uh, you know, John said, I was an eyewitness. That meant he was there in the earth and walked with Jesus. And he's telling from a firsthand experience, a visually seen. But we are witnesses because we have an experience with the Lord. Everybody who's saved has had a profound encounter with the Lord. And they can draw off of that profound encounter. We should never forget what it was to be born again and to be made new. We should not let that get out of our sight. We should realize that something happened in us. And when you talk about being a witness, if you've ever been at an accident scene, I've, I've been at accident scenes. I almost said I've had the privilege. Well, you know, you ever been there? And then the police show up, and there's, you know, a group of people standing there. This has happened to me. They'll say, did you see it? Did you see it? Did you, then they'll go, you, you guys can all leave. Did you see it? Yes. You stay. Did you? No. Did you? Yes. Stay. Leave. Leave. Stay. And the only reason you get to stay is because you saw it and you're a witness and they want your testimony because your testimony stands up in court. And we have a personal testimony when we get saved. We all that, are, that know the Lord have eternal life. So like he said, we are all witnesses. But we're not natural witnesses. You are not just a natural witness. What you're witnessing to is not a natural phenomenon. And what we're trying to uh, share with people is not natural phenomena either. It's a spiritual phenomenon that we're talking about, about people being regenerated. You know, how often has a person been asked after there's a change? Well, how do you know? I'm a witness. Well, a witness sees something, experiences something. And you can be a witness without physically seeing something. You realize that. You don't have to physically see something to be a witness. You know, if you're kids and you're at home and you live in Arizona... And, you know, all of a sudden mom and dad are gone and you guys are hot and you're like, let's turn down the air conditioner. And one of the kids goes, you better not, we'll get in trouble. And all of a sudden somebody turns it down to 65. And you could be a witness without seeing them. How? Because you're like, your parents come home and said, who turned down the air conditioner? And you're like, what? How do they know? Did they see? How do you know? You maybe didn't see your brother or sister do it, but you're a witness because you could feel it. You experienced the influence. So you can be a witness. I mean, all people who are lost or saved, even though they may be intellectually taught, 
are witnesses to the spirit realm because they have been influenced by God and they have been influenced by demons. Flat out. The Bible said the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. There have been things that have pressured people. There are people who don't know the Lord, who have a void inside of them, and they don't know why they can't get the puzzle finished. They don't know why there's something missing. We can connect the dots. Are you with me? Other religions can't do that. They can give them a creed, but it doesn't connect it inside of them. Only eternal life does that. Only through Jesus. And we are direct witnesses. And God works with us through that. You ever felt dry like toast as a believer? And then you went to talk to somebody and all of a sudden you recognize God moving? And then you got impressed with yourself? And then you realized, well, I wasn't real impressive before that, so that was God. Are you there? And then you're like, woo, you know, like, look at me. You know, you kind of straighten up your jacket. Because, you know, we all wear a suit when we witness. Straighten up your tie. No, you just have to be honest and realize this is beyond me. This is supernatural. I'm a witness. God works with witnesses. And he did that day, if you read verse 41, and with many other words, he testified. Notice they got filled and he went out and he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Wow, the message does not need to change. Then those who uh, gladly received his word, that doesn't say they all did. Are you with me? But those who did. And we need to recognize we shouldn't have some grandiose idea thinking that everybody received the word that day. Not everybody received the word when Jesus preached. And we know that there were people that were not real pleased with them as they got going. I mean, it was, you know, you turn a couple chapters, they're in jail for this. Not this actual time, but another event. So not everybody is like, yay, Jesus. But that doesn't mean we're on the wrong side of the fence. We just recognize the source of opposition. And it's not always the individual, it's what they're listening to. It says, then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. We need to recognize this. In this great supernatural thing that happened, uh, in the kickoff of the church, you could say, it was called a mystery. We don't know about the church really in the Old Testament. The Bible calls it a mystery in the New Testament. There's a fascinating side to the kickoff of the church. It started off with people witnessing. It expanded because people witnessed. Sure, people were brought in supernaturally, uh, but at the same time, God will supernaturally lead us. Jesus was the forerunner to give us an example of how to live, the Bible said. When he started his ministry, he received power. Remember? Turn to Luke, the fourth chapter. 
And when he got saved, or not saved, filled, because he didn't have any spiritual death in him, but he told us before we went and did the thing we're supposed to do, he wanted us to be saved and filled with the Spirit too. He said, you will receive power to be a witness. Are you there? He, he said that. But he didn't do any miracles. You know, there are books out there that say Jesus, you know, when his family was driven into Egypt, he taught the people there these spiritual, mystical things and did these miracles, you know. I don't know what they look like. Maybe he was in the playground playing in the sandbox and somebody knocked down his sandcastle and he waved his hand and put it back up. That never happened. Jesus did not do a miracle until he turned the water into wine. You know why? Because the Bible said this first miracle he did. And you know why I know it was the first one? Because the next one said this second miracle that he did. He wasn't doing them before he was anointed with the Spirit. Because he had emptied, the Bible said, himself of his eternal weight and glory and became like a man. Jesus functioned as a man in the earth, even though he was 100% God. You say, well, how can you say that he did? Because God cannot be tempted with evil, but Jesus was tempted with evil. God is never weary, but Jesus grew weary. Because he lived here as a man to be tempted and to help us. To make a way for us. I mean, if he was God, he would have known everything and done everything. We recognize if we read the scripture, Jesus did not even have the power that God had here on the earth. Because in John 17, his last prayer, he said, Lord, return unto me the glory or the power that I had with you in the beginning. So that meant he didn't even function in a full measure like God. Because if people saw God in the earth, they would die. Because nobody could look at him in his full power and live in a natural body. They would have to depart. And so when Jesus was here on the earth, he had the Spirit, the Bible said, without measure. But that is according to some kind of measure. Because he said, return it to me. When Jesus comes back the next time, You're going to see what he really looked like. And every knee will bow. There will be no options. Because we'll see him. The Bible said mountains will fall. Rocks will split. Isn't it interesting? Jesus lived with his disciples. And there were times they were blown away by him. And said, oh, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. But after he rose, I mean, there are people who saw him in, in greater glory who, who fell down as dead. John, the Bible said that. He didn't go, oh, it's you again, Jesus. No, he saw him in a different way. But Jesus was a man anointed by the Spirit, and that's why he said, the works that I do, you can do also. Not because he was God, because you are not God, and I am not God, and we, we can't do what God can do. You don't know like God. I know some people think they do. They know everything. They don't. For eternity, we're constantly going to be being blown away. There won't be a day forever that you won't be blown away. 
Because it says through the eons in Ephesians, his glory will be being revealed. In other words, you're just going to go, whoa, forever. But here's the thing. Today, people go to church and they're like, yeah, whoa, that was good. Got anything else? So we knew if it, if, know if it's at a full measure, like ultimate forever, we're going to go, whoa. So uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus was filled with the Spirit. The Bible said in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Well, it was when he got anointed then the miracles started happening. Then influence started happening. Now, that doesn't mean God didn't deal with him. God didn't you know, work with him beforehand. But when the real ministry of Jesus started happening after he was baptized with the Spirit or the Spirit of God came on him when John baptized him in the river Jordan. Luke, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at some things that really parallel our lives as believers about being saved and filled with the Spirit. Things that distinguish us, that should influence us. And there isn't one person who has given their life to the Lord that these things are not true. You ready? Luke 4, 1. Then Jesus being filled with the Spirit. Stop. What did he say? Wait till you be endued with power from on high. And then he called it being filled with the Spirit in Acts 2. It's called that. And they were all filled with the Spirit. So Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, then it says he returned from Jordan. And notice the very first thing that started happening after he was filled, or it mentions occurred. Doesn't mean it didn't happen before, but no doubt it's written here for our admonition and our learning. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and it said he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The very first thing that happened was he was filled and he was led. Anybody who gets saved will be led. The Bible said there is not one person in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, that is not led by God. He said, otherwise you're illegitimate and not a child. In other words... Being led by God and dealt with by God is a sign you belong to Him. The problem is, is how are you led? Because some people might think, well, I've been having these voices and I'm not sure which one's God because He doesn't lead you in your head. And it's important to know that. I didn't know that when I first got saved. And people are like, God said this, and God said this, and God said this. And I'm thinking, talk, God, talk. If anybody loves you, I do. And he would deal with me way down inside. And I didn't know that Jesus said, out of the King James reads it like this, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. Thus he spoke of the Spirit. In other words, there would be a power of the Spirit that rise up out of your belly. Why did he say belly? Because it's a location and you know it's not out of your head. Proverbs 20, 27 said the spirit of a man is the candle or we'd say the light bulb of the place light comes searching all the inner chambers of the belly. 
You ever gone to do something or make a decision and you've known beyond your head and your head said, do it, but something inside went, eh. The more you prayed, the clearer it got. Because one of the primary ways that God deals with us is His Spirit, Romans 8, 16, bears witness with our spirit. Well, where is your spirit? Way down here. All of us know it. You get saved, go do something wrong. Not suggesting something you go to jail for. Just go turn on something. Go listen to something. Go do something. And you go against it. And down here you go, ooh. I remember I gave my life to the Lord. The, the person I was dating back then, we had watched scary movies our whole, the whole life. But that's not true. Our relationship. So we went to a scary movie, because what do you do on a Friday night now that you're not doing everything else the world's doing? Let's go to this movie. It's a scary movie. I remember we sat in there, and I would look at her, and she'd be staring at the screen. I'm like, yuck, what's going on? Something beyond my head? And then I didn't know she would be staring at me while I'm staring at the screen. And then when I'd turn back and look, she'd be staring at the screen, and she's doing the same thing, going, yuck. See, Jesus didn't hear everything in his head. As a matter of fact, it said one time when the people were talking about him and saying some stuff, it said he perceived their thoughts. Where? In his spirit. Paul, when he got directed, he perceived the journey would be with much trouble. There was an inward perception, an inward knowing. And when people are filled with the spirit, they're directed. I remember when we, our eyes met in that theater, we were like, yuck. And, she, and, and, and I was thinking, how come you didn't respond sooner? She's thinking the same thing. I remember we left driving up the road. We didn't know anything. But I just felt like I needed a spiritual shower. We're praying. Oh, Lord. Uh, uh. Why? Because every child is led by God in, way down inside. If you would start inquiring of the Lord and start talking to the Lord, you'll get more sensitive to His dealings. Notice the first thing, he was filled with the Spirit and he was led. Notice his first sermon after he gets out of the wilderness. Luke 4, 18, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Well, that's when he got filled. And he said, because he has anointed me. Anoint means to put upon. So he was put upon, the Spirit was put upon him because anoint is an action. You can be anointed with oil. People were anointed as king or an authority was put upon them. But here he was, he was anointed with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit was put upon him and filled him. And the very first thing he said, because he anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news. In other words, I've been empowered to speak the good news. But here's the next thing. He empowered me to proclaim and he sent me. Notice that. He got led, filled, and was led. And here he said he was filled to speak and to go. God fills us and will send us. He will send us. It's interesting. People got conflicted over his sermon. And he spoke by the Spirit and said some things that blew these people's minds. And, and religious thinking needs to be blown. There are some people who say, oh, the church should feed everybody. That's their mission. 
and it becomes natural. And that is not why the church exists, to feed all the hungry. <laughs> Ready? Let's let Jesus do some talking. Because He was anointed to speak, and, and he, the Spirit of God was on Him, and because the Spirit of God was on Him, it sent Him. He, the Holy Spirit, sent Him. When we get filled, God will send us to talk to somebody too. If we're not going, then we're not aware like we should. Or we're getting too far in the natural if we're never being sent to anybody. That doesn't mean we're sent to everybody. But notice this as he's teaching here in verse 26. He said, But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath in the region of Zidon, to a widow, a woman who was a widow. It's interesting, there was a famine, and God sent this guy to one person, even though there was many who were in need. He was led to only help one. Jesus was sent, and he's saying, listen, this isn't something new. Back then, there was only one widow. Because, you, anyway, we'll just keep reading. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. Only one. Now, God has provided for the church all things to all men. But, but when it comes down to us being led, it doesn't mean we're to meet the world's need, but we're to meet individuals' needs. And if we're filled, He's going to send us to share, and He's not just going to send us, but He'll send us to talk. Are you there? Notice this. Mark 16. Mark 16. They got filled. They went out and they shared. God anoints us, not just for ourselves, though should we experience blessing as believers? Absolutely. But if we will spend time with God, if we will talk with God, He will send us. If we're never talking to anybody, then we may not be talking enough with God. Because if we talk enough to Him and we get filled to overflowing, then He's going to compel us. Because is it His heart to reach people? Oh yeah. The very people that some people hate right now, those religious, those uh, uh, political people or these people, we would love them if they were saved. Well, we should love them regardless. That doesn't mean we agree with them, but we should be thinking salvation. Mark 16. And we've noticed something here. Filled, sent, filled, go, filled, speak. Happened in the book of Acts. We are all witnesses. We all who? All that were saved. Now notice this, 
This is the commission of Jesus to the church, or part of it. And he said this, uh, he said, and he said to them in verse 15, go. Isn't it interesting, when people are influenced by the Spirit, he'll send you to somebody, and he'll want you to speak to somebody. Jesus was in union with the Spirit, and the very first thing he said to them was, go. When Jesus was filled, he was sent. Then later on, as he preached his first message, or it says he was led, the, his message said, the Spirit of God is on me to share and to go or to be sent. Here, his commissioning is, go into all the world. He's leading them to share, to go, and then it says, and preach. Isn't that interesting, those phrases, go and preach? Somebody said, I'm not a preacher. Go and share. Go and talk. Go and invite. Go and bring. These miracles are amazing, but notice if you want to see even more supernatural, go down to verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them. If the Lord spoke to them, what do you think they ought to do with what the Lord spoke? Well, I'll pray about that, Lord. You know, I am busy. We are busy. He spoke and he said, now how did he speak to him? Because they were in communion with him. They were in communion with him. So he dealt with them. And so then, after the Lord had spoken, they knew what to do. What was it? Go and talk to people. He was received. Now you realize not everybody is going to love what you say, but we can grow in wisdom how we say it. He was received up into heaven sat down at the right hand of God. And notice this. So they've got the commission. Verse 20. And they went out. Notice that same phrase. Once. And this was not to occur till they were saved and filled. And so this explanation here is after Acts 2. And so they went out. Because they didn't go out until after Acts 2. Notice, the Spirit of God is going to lead His people, and He's going to lead them to reach people and to share. And so notice, that's what Jesus told them to do, is go and preach. And here it said, and they went out and preached everywhere. Now, notice, once they did what the Lord said, look at the supernatural that happened. You know what happened supernaturally in the book of Acts? While Peter was preaching, it said they were all supernaturally cut to the heart and they were convicted and they cried out, what do we have to do to be saved? You know, if we'd make the step to follow his leading and to share, that's where the supernatural starts happening. Because notice, 
And the Lord worked with them, confirming the word. What word? Not the go. He didn't confirm the go. But they had to go and then share. And the Lord confirmed what they said through the accompanying signs. God started working. Sometimes people want God to work first and then go, but God works enough to direct us to go, and then we take the first initial step, then we share, and you don't have to be perfect in what you say. But know this, once you do step out, you'll find God working with you. And then you'll be like me that one day and go, wow, that was pretty good. And then you'll go, wait a minute, <laughs> that was God. Because if it was that good, I can't take credit. And neither can you. Oh, but I studied. Yeah, maybe you did, but it's still God's power. Maybe you've been diligent, and that's awesome. But it's still God. And you don't get to glorify yourself without being lifted up. And we don't want that. Amen? And so, isn't it interesting? Filled people are led people. Filled people are sent people. And sent people are people who share. And people who share, God works with them. That's how things happened in the Bible.